and welcome to the Arsenal way back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal agenda series joining you every morning at 9 30 a.m uk time it's getting to that point in the year where I have to close the blind in the morning because the piercing light of the sun decides to just illuminate the room to the point where it's it's ironic because you can't see me despite the fact there's so much light coming into the room but uh Bailey you don't have to worry about that you don't pay your electric bill half the time so, you know. <laughs> you're right mate yeah the Arsenal agenda won't know that because we're always on at 9 30 but uh <laughs> if you see me the post-match reaction yeah those match reaction shows <laughs> <laughs> No lights on at all. Ridiculous. Um, no, good morning, mate. And good morning to everybody in the chat box as well. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Um, and enjoying, of course, the misfortunes of our rivals. Hopefully we can see a few more uh, this evening as European football gets back underway as well. Looking forward to seeing Sporting try to knock out Man City. And then a little bit later on next week, of course, we've got, uh, I think we've got Man United next week. Are Man United playing tonight in the league as well? I think yeah. they are. Right? They are. So fingers crossed we can see a bit of an upset there too. Good morning to Graham in the chat, be- chat, chat box. We've got a chat box. We've got Al Brechton there as well. Stevie, Chris, uh, we've got Carl, Harvey, Mark, Olu joining us too. Jonathan, Johnty, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already and subscribe if you're new to the Arsenal way. Bailey, we kick off with transfers. Uh, we like to talk about transfers, of course. And the recent link over last night was Rafael Liao of AC Milan being linked to Arsenal. Interesting player. A little bit different to kind of the forwards that we've been linked to of late. We've seen Jonathan David and Armando Brogia we talked about yesterday, out-and-out strikers. But Liao is more of a wide forward than the others. Do you think this link kind of hints towards maybe that with Arsenal needing a couple of forwards in the summer... One of them may be an out-and-out striker, but the other one could be more of a versatile type of player. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. I'm a big fan of Rafael Leal as well. I think he'll be an excellent signing. He's young, full of energy. And as you said, he can play in two positions. Of course, when he played at Lille and Sporting, I know he was he was more of a striker, but since he's gone to AC Milan, he's gone on the left-forward role, almost play, provided support for it, whether it's Ibrahimovic or Giroud, whoever. So I think he'll be an excellent signing. It does show as well, yeah that we will need two forwards. And maybe the best way of going about it is to cover two positions, a, a left wing, a right wing, and a, and a striker. I think he'll be a, a top signing, to be honest. And we know this season, Martinelli and Saka, they've played almost like inside forwards at times. So maybe Arteta's really trying to load in the in those positions, possibly. Mm, yeah, 10 goals, 6 assists across all competitions in 27 matches this year, um, showing kind of his mate making that step forward in goal-scoring ability. And whilst AC Milan are very much preoccupied with signing aged strikers like Ibrahimovic and, and Giroud, and you never know, maybe even Lacazette will end up there in the summer. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, Liao seems to be their future. And so in that sense, I, I highly doubt they would let him go for anything less than probably around 50 million quid. You're looking around that kind of figure. He's moved for about 25 million and obviously he's developed a lot more since then. He still had two years left in his deal in the summer. Do you feel like that figure is what it would take to convince them yeah. to sell? Yeah, I think that's, that only makes sense in today's market. Maybe even, but you said he's got two years remaining. That's interesting. That could bring it down a little bit because he can almost hold Ace Milan for, not for ransom, but say, hmm. I'm not going to sign a new deal. So it's either you, you lose me for this much now or next season I go for absolute cut press. Yeah. So maybe that's something to look into. Maybe indeed. Olo in the chat saying, I like Liao, but I don't think Liao is a good buy above £50 million because he wouldn't get in above Saka and Martinelli. I suppose that the, the argument against that would be is that he could play in the central striking role for us should we need them. And I'd like Arsenal to go out and really go big on two strikers, two players that can play in that striker role this summer, not necessarily bringing one marquee and one backup. 
But it is also interesting to kind of see who is going to leave. We mentioned there Lacazette. Lacazette's going to go. Aubameyang's already left. Xhaka's being linked again with another move to Roma. That's three players, Bailey, that are you know significantly experienced in the table uh, in, in the in the squad. Sorry, and when you start to lose so many of those, we've got a very young squad anyway. Is there any argument to suggest that the summer we need to look at bringing in maybe a more well-travelled player or is it something that it's just if you're good enough, you're good enough type of thing? I feel like we do look because, of course, we have William Saliba to come back into the squad next season. That's mm. just adding to the youth and, uh, of course, players going back from loan who are young as well, like maybe Balogun. So I think we do... It depends, really. I'm For me, I'm not too... I'm not, I know a lot of people are quite high on this and quite uh, strong. They have strong opinions about bringing experience. Me, I'm not too strong in it, but I would prefer to just to calm mm. down the young players a little bit because we've seen in games at Anfield like this uh, this season, sorry, and at Old Trafford where I feel like our youth has let us down a little bit where you could do with a little bit of experience to calm us down in the biggest of ground. So I think we would need to... I think it would be... For me, it would be my preference definitely to bring in a, a player with more experience, but I don't think it's an absolute necessity. I think... We've got a good squad here. The players are getting... From the season, a lot of players would have gained a lot of experience. Players like Ramsdale, they'll come back next year even more stronger. And now they've had a year under the belt at the Emirates. They'll definitely have more experience under the belt as well anyway. So I'm I'm good either way, but preferably, yeah, I'd go for an experienced player too. Yeah, me. I, I think there is a, a balance that does need to be yeah. struck. Edu talked about how he wanted to combine world-class talent with young, budding uh, kind of stars. And and you can find world-class talent that's young. And we've, we've already done that, I feel, with players that we brought in. I think that, you know, players like Tommy Asu, Ramsdale, White have got the potential in the future to become world-class players. That Some of the times they've put on world-class level performances for Arsenal this season, especially Tommy Asu as, as an example, and Ramsdale too. So... You have that potential to see players of a young age put on these type of top-tier level performances. But when there are games, as you mentioned, like Man United, where you do need a little bit more composure, a calm head, guidance going through the games, especially when you've got, say, a player like Sambi Lukonga, who really struggled in January without Xhaka and Partey there. And especially against Forrest, where he had a really young Charlie Patino, where he was the senior figure, still just only 22 years of age. They that, that partnership really did struggle. Um, so I feel like there is the argument that maybe a, a more experienced figure in midfield may be needed. It's why when we look at kind of central midfielders and who we want, players like Ruben Neves, who have been playing in the Premier League for a number of yeah. years now, Tielemans as well, in their mid-20s, not, uh, not necessarily mid to late 20s, but kind of that middle part, still giving you plenty of experience of playing in the Premier. And I think that would certainly help Arsenal. But then... You know, if there's the option to go and see a Jonathan David or a Rafael Leal still in their really early 20s that would add plenty of quality, it would be difficult to say no just because they're of the younger persuasion. Looking in the chat box to what you guys are talking about, Mark Sampson says, remember back in the day when City had four quality strikers all at once, uh, yes. Balotelli, Dzeko, Aguero and Negrodo. Can we just have at least two great strikers at the club? I mean, ironically, City now looking at their absolute peak, have none. Like, so it's funny how it works in both ways, isn't it? Another experience forward is RDT, Raul Tomas, as Jonathan points out, at Espanyol. Scored in the Barcelona derby the other day, where Espanyol got a really good result, 2-2, and it took a really late equaliser from Luke de Jong to, to save any points for Barca. He was obviously linked, uh, and I don't think he is going to be the, the guy that we go for, and I wouldn't personally go for him as kind of the main summer signing, even though I do like him. Um but do you think the striker is less affected by the age profile? Do you think that's just a case of assessing who they are based on how good they are and then the midfield position is more about the experience signing? Mm, I'm not really, I feel like every position, the age factor does have to come in, really. I think mm. 
because we're bringing in two strikers, I think for us, the age factor won't matter. But if you were bringing in one striker, let's say, I think the striker age would matter because you want to bring in a striker who you want to keep him for the next few years, five years to six years. I think that's our aim. I think mm. we've done it with Aaron Ramsdale. We've done it with the centre-back positions. And we should do it with the forward position as well. But I think where we need two strikers, I think an older striker and a more youthful striker would be a really good route to go down. I think um, I think that is a, a good route to go down. So I don't think the age is... Too like <clears throat> too. It shouldn't be a foc- it shouldn't be a too much of a focal point for yeah. our recruitment. But in general, I think you always have to look at the age of a player, and it depends what direction you're going and where we're building something. I don't think we're title ready yet. So if you're a title ready club, then maybe you go for a striker who's got the age, got the goals, got the night. I think that's what Manchester United tried to do with Cristiano Ronaldo, but of course it's not working at the moment. But that mm. was their that was their aim, of course. And I think with us, we don't need a, a stri- we do need a striker. Of course, he's going to score goals, but when we're not going for a title. We can also look forward rather than just thinking, oh, we need the goals now, now. And then Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Um, let's go kind of full circle and go back to that uh, Champions League discussion in European football returning. So tonight's games, we see Manchester City play against Sporting. Uh, tomorrow, we've got Liverpool against Inter. Those two games not really affecting Arsenal uh, in any kind of way, of course, really. I mean, Chelsea next week uh, playing Lille. Then you talk about the Europa League teams like West Ham, of course. Manchester United playing next week in the Champions League too. They're playing tonight in the Premier League as they have one of their rescheduled fixtures against Brighton. Do you think that now in this second half of the season with European football returning, rescheduled fixtures coming into the fold, that actually this advantage that Arsenal have opened up at the start of February could widen even further if these teams are affected by their stacking up of fixture lists? Oh, absolutely. I believe we're in the perfect situation right now. I remember... When we didn't qualify for Europe towards the end of last season, mm. my thinking process was this moment right here in February where teams are going to be playing the round of 16, the round of 32 in Europa League, the FA Cup still got to play the fifth round, then they're mm. playing it week now. So that, that adds to the future congestion. So that was the one positive for us not qualifying for Europe. And now we really got to take advantage of it because we've put ourselves in the perfect situation. I think if you looked at it towards the end of last season and said, OK, look, we'll be here. We're not in Europe and other teams are in Europe. You'd ask for this moment. We, we've got top four in our hands it's in our advantage and we've only got the Premier League to focus on where you look at um, West Ham you're playing Europa mm. League of course I believe they're still in the FA Cup Manchester are, United, yeah. yeah Manchester United out of the FA Cup but they're still playing Champions League against LA yeah. and that's going to be a rough rough game so they won't they won't come out of that they won't come out of that unscathed or without any energy without uh, without the full fitness sorry so it's definitely something to look at. It's a positive for us. We really do need to take advantage of that. And the game against Brentford on Saturday would be a great start to that to get in the win because, of course, United will play midweek. So, mm. yeah. Look, Spurs have got Man City this weekend in the Premier League, which is is obviously, hopefully, you would mm-hmm. think that City, the way that Spurs have been playing recently, would be able to get a very decent result there and help Arsenal out even further. But Arsenal can't forget about what they need to do because we've got Brentford this Saturday. And look, that's a game that we, you know, it's got a bit of narrative to it. We were beaten on the open day of the season when we were utterly depleted because of COVID. No, no protocols in place to postpone fixtures back then. We were just told to play the game despite having no strikers available bar Balogun. So, you know, we've got a bit of narrative to go and try and win that fixture. How quickly can this kind of situation change? Because you said that we're in, a, we're in the perfect situation as you described it. Fan opinion is, is up. Like, we're very much appreciating what's going on right now at Arsenal. And if we are to drop points that Brentford game, 
you are in a situation where you haven't got a European fixture maybe in a few days' time to then lift and build that momentum. So is there any argument that not having European football yeah. can actually be of a detriment to you during this run? Yeah, of course, there is both arguments. You can say it's a positive and a negative. At the same time, you could also go with the argument that, that we beat Brentford, we play Bayern Munich midweek, get, get hammered 5-2, and then once again, your 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 uh your confidence mm. has gone again. So you can also bring that argument into I think it's like a catch-22, really. Like It goes either way. But I think if you have to outweigh the positives and the negatives, it is a positive for Arsenal because we haven't got the largest, biggest of squads. Our squad depth is very low. So if we were playing in Europe, it would definitely be a risk for us because the likelihood of injuries or or fitness or and fatigue will definitely increase. So mm. I think it's more of a positive that we're not for this season. Definitely. So I think also, also we're in the fight for Champions League football. I think if we play in Europa League from the build-up from September to December, do you think we'd be in the same position at the moment? Oh, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, you, do we have the, the squad depth? I don't mm. think we did. But I mean, arguably, would they have done more if we'd have qualified for Europe in the, in the transfer market? Mm. Who knows? Like, it's, it's impossible to know. Let's jump into the chat box and go through some of your questions. Vinny says, who's it from Football London who reported uh, Martin Elliott would be playing as a striker? That was our colleague Chris Wheatley in his report about uh, Armando Brogio a couple of days ago. Does that excite you that they're training Martin Elliott as a striker? I think they don't have any choice at the moment. I think <laughs> where we're yeah. so sure, I think it was a necessity regardless. So I think it was expected. It does, does it excite me? Slightly, slightly. So I don't think he's just ready yet to be a number nine, but it's good that we're giving him the building process. It kind of reminds me of Theo Walcott. I remember all those years and was like, play Walcott as a striker, play Walcott as a striker. Mm. Where I don't think he had the physical capabilities just to be number nine at that moment of time. But with Marcelli, hopefully we teach him young. He's got the... He's got the, I feel like he's got the good aggression. He's got the knack. So let's just hope the, uh, the training's going well for him. Absolutely. Harvey says, is uh, Cody Gakpo still linked to us? Uh, he signed a new deal until 2026 only recently. So I doubt that. Uh, scored 10 goals and got 11 assists this season. He's one, again, he's kind of those tall, uh, really dominating wide forwards that can play centrally as well. It is an impressive goal record and goal contribution record he's got this season. One to keep an eye on, but he's not, I don't think he's going to be accessible for Arsenal in the near future unless they're looking to pay well above 40 million, I think. Because, I mean, I think there was an interview uh, with a, a Dutch journalist talking about a £25 million bid and that was basically knocked back with the description of it wouldn't even be enough to sit down for a coffee with PSV to, to offer £25 million. So quite a way off their valuation of the player, that's for sure. Um, Graham says, TC and Bailey, if the midfield choice is between Tielemans and Neves, who would you bring in? Uh, if Xhaka leaves, who would you bring in as a replacement? Yeah, I've done a piece on this uh, recently and I said Neves. I think I prefer Neves simply because in a pivot... I think is he more Neves... injured than Tielemans? Is that why? <laughs> I don't think he is TC this time around. But yeah, no, I'll go for Neves. I think alongside party, those two would suit better than Tielemans and and of course the, the Ghanaian. But with Tielemans, I don't know. He worries me defensively to be playing in a pivot. I'd rather Neves, who's more solid than Neves, also is more calm. He can control the tempo of the ball. I think mm. we need more of that midfielder rather than a Tielemans type. But yeah, I'd go for Neves. What about you, Yeah, I, I go for Tielemans. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Tielemans a lot. I think he has a lot of dynamism. I like Neves, and if you told me that Neves was coming, I'd be very happy with that. Mm. It's not a case of uh, liking one and not the other. I just yeah. think that Tielemans has a lot of a lot of the traits that we really do need in terms of his athleticism, in terms of the technical ability on the ball, his progressive passing. 
you know, like Neves, he can score from range too. So he's got that in his locker. Um, so I would go with with Tielemans. And I think that what we're seeing from him this season is just not really reflective of what who he is as a player. And I think he's very unsettled at Leicester and needs kind of that new lease of life at a new club. And this is the club that if he moves to after Leicester, where he's going to reach his peak years. So you would hopefully think you'd see the absolute best from him. And I think he'd be available for probably even a more reasonable fee, considering he only has a year left on his deal. Whereas Neves, I think, is still signed up for a fairly decent amount of time with Wolves. Uh, interesting question here from Jonathan who says, would you prefer to see Man United progress further in the Champions League to make their fixtures harder for them or crash out against Atletico Madrid? I really enjoy watching them struggle. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> God, well, I mean, I, it's a tough one. I think that yeah. I'd rather them get battered by Atletico. See. Even though they go out, I just the, the idea of them progressing and then maybe getting close to a final of the Champions League, even though I think it's ridiculously unlikely that they would do anything in it, I don't like the idea of that. So, yeah, yeah it's battered by Atletico is my view. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I've quite seen them win. It is I Atletico, it. isn't it? Yeah, it is Atletico, yeah. 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 I've seen them win, I hate it. So, I just want them to get battered, regardless of when they play. And plus, their fixture list isn't the greatest anyway from March to April. So, even without Champions League games, they will still be probably be getting battered as well because they've got Manchester, mm. I know they've got City and Liverpool amongst those, amongst oh. those games. So Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Albrecht uh, says, uh, will we go for homegrown players again in the summer window? Still look a bit short, despite having Smithrow and others soon being over the age of 21. I don't think so. You know. I feel like we're going to venture out a little bit. I think just looking at the links, the players we've been mm. with, to be honest, going off that, I feel like we're going to, yeah, kind of... Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin, yeah. But who else have we been really like, strongly into? From an, from an England, English yeah. or homegrown perspective, to be honest, Jed Spence, I suppose, at right yeah. back, although saying that interesting news about Jamaica trying yeah. to approach him yeah. about uh, representing them. They're going to have that. I'll tell you what, if there's, I think it's really clever what Jamaica are doing with their international setup. They're really going for... Uh, to try and sway some of the players to change or, you know, just pick them as their allegiance yeah. for that going forward. So yeah. You're seeing that with Mexico and Canada recently as well, which Canada especially are really building an interesting side too. They were trying to fight with Marcelo Flores with Mexico for him. So that's going to be interesting where that turns out. Um, but yeah, look, I think that the homegrown issue is not actually too much of a problem for Arsenal. Um, Martinelli and Saliba both become homegrown players in the summer, uh, which is going to be important for us. Uh, you've got players that are, becoming of age of that level anyway. Bakaya Saka, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, we obviously know about Ben White, Ramsdale. Tini doesn't count as homegrown, despite what many people think is Scottish, <laughs> so he doesn't count. Um, and he's, you know, he hasn't played in, in, in English football from the ages of, I think it's three years below the age of 21 yeah. you need to be within English football to, to qualify like Martinelli and, and Saliba would have done, even though Saliba's not played here. He's been part of an English club. So, yeah, look, there are players that we've got available to the squad that are going to be part of that group. Uh, Matt Turner will be coming in as another non-homegrown player from the US, but that's only replacing Bert Leno, who was already non-homegrown as well. I don't think there's an issue, to be honest. Balogun, of course, will be in the squad mm -hmm. next season too. So there's another one that we need to think about. And any others coming through, like Patino and Salah Adin and Amari Hutchinson, all players that are under the age of 21 that are, are not going to be a problem. So I don't think we need to worry about that. But I do have a feeling that we may still go for one homegrown yeah. player because uh, that does seem to be something, not necessarily homegrown, but maybe someone or more than someone from the Premier League specifically. Um, Sam, we'll round off with this question just to finish off the 20-minute morning show. Have you watched the Josh Kroenke interview on the Road Tripping podcast? I tagged you on Twitter last night, Tom. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I have watched it. I watched it this morning uh, before starting off. That was my job. Um, 
And I, I found it interesting. Look, I always think that Josh Kroenke is a very good speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows what to say, when to say it. He knows how to talk about things. And so you always have to kind of listen with a certain guys, I feel, when when doing that. But I was encouraged by what he talked about. I like the fact he wants to get this team to the level of the Invincibles. I hear all of that. And the fact that he's meeting with the fan advisory board soon again is, is another positive, especially considering there was initially only reports that he would meet at least once a year. And I know he met very recently at the end of last year. So hopefully this is a good sign that they're, they're meeting multiple times. And look, I don't think, and I think Arsblog's piece this morning that I read on this was was very well put too. And he said that the, whilst the Cronkies would like to be popular owners, they don't seem to have a problem with not being popular owners. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're just going to keep on doing what they're doing. Did you watch it? Have you seen clips of I it? I saw clips of it, yeah. I saw yeah. clips of it. As you said, you've got to watch it with a smart eye. You can't just take everything mm. at face value. You've really got, to, really got to think about what you're saying. But again, you can't really complain. I think uh, this season, this year anyway, he's really put he's put the checkbook, he's put the money, he's put his money where his mouth is. The checkbook's coming out and yeah. he's doing interviews. So... Yeah, as, as you said, they don't really care about being popular owners, but what they've done this season, you can't really complain as an Arsenal fan. You can't mm. really complain. So, Yeah, we can't complain about how much the club has spent. I think we have to complain about the decision-making processes that have gone on regarding some of yeah, those signings yeah. in the past. The appointments that have been made, no matter what you think about it, appointing Mikel Arteta with no experience mm-hmm. was a huge risk. <laughs> it was a it's massive, true. massive risk. And appointing Unai Emery, I don't think, was the right choice. And then we kept mm-hmm. him on for too long as well afterward when, he, when it really wasn't working. So I think that there have been decisions and the, like, the employment of a very young executive team without too much experience, although now we brought in Richard Garlick. So there's things to think about. I'm going to see where we are at the end of the season before yeah. having a major judgment about individuals at the club because I think there's an opportunity and we've done quite well this year to position ourselves where we are. So that's kind of where I sit. Bailey, thank you so much, mate, as always, uh, for coming on the show. Always, thank you. Thank you, guys, in the comment section too. Absolutely. If you haven't already, please drop a like, guys, on the video and subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Help us on our way to 10,000 subs, our target before the end of the season. We're on 8,740, so we're just over a 1,000 away. So if you haven't already subbed or told your friends about the channel, or if you're on Facebook and you want to come over to YouTube as well, get involved with the chat box and press that subscribe button. It really would help us out. Uh, we will see you on the next one. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. And as always, keep following us down. The Arsenal way.